Blog Talk Radio. I got a song filled with shit for the strong-willed. When the world gives you a raw deal, set you off till you scream, piss off, screw you when it talks to you like you don't belong. It tells you you're in the wrong field when something's in your mitochondrial because it lasts on to you like... Knock, knock, let the devil in, benevolent as I've ever been. Head is spinning, this medicine, screaming, dick, 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 medicine. It, dick, dick, like a solid ball, like a Allen Poe, bedridden, should have been dead a long time ago. Liquid Tylenol, gelatin, sink my skeletons, melting, wicked, I get all high when I think I smell the scent of elephant. Manure, hell, I make a lure, screw it to hell with it. I went through hell with accelerants and blew up my, my, myself again. Volkswagen, tailspin, bucket matches my power. For life, I'm your host, Mr. Team Brigitte, and I'm your favorite co host, Nappy Boy. And we are here for another edition of Hashtag Hills for Life Wrestling Podcast, episode 107. We got a yeah. special treat for you guys, we got a lot of shit to cover this evening. Um, uh, shout out to our new radio station. I can't, I can't give this radio station enough love. Um, my boy, Mr. Mike um, Kenningham, I believe. Kenningham? Uh, hopefully, I got his last name right. Um, or I like to call him Mike Mike. You know what I'm saying? He's our producer of the show. Mike Mike. Um, yes. So he basically told me before we came on the air that we were the second highest rating show on this station. So I am thrilled mm. to, to, to hear that. Um so, tonight, we are going to basically do two segments. The first hour is going to be about The Undertaker, his career, his retirement, his greatest matches, his his gimmicks, his feuds, his backstage, um, 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 uh, shit, backstage, being a, being, basically being a backstage leader. Um, his run-ins with Vince McMahon, real-life situations. Uh, we're going to get into all of that this evening. Then the second part, the second hour, um, where we're going to talk about the WWE. We're going to talk about um, indie wrestling. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Fighter Fest or AEW Fighter Fest and um, 
the recent story that we just heard about, you know, NXT, which they're bringing mm. back the American Bash. So we got a lot <laughs> to talk about. So we're going to kick this shit off with The Undertaker. So like I just said, I was uh, talking about how um, The Undertaker recently um, uh, said that he's going to lace up his boots. Um, I have been waiting for maybe um, 60 million years for that to happen, and that is no shade <laughs> at all, no shade, because The Undertaker is going to go down as one of the, probably one of the best gimmick figures, iconic, legendary wrestlers of all fucking time. I mean, he will go down, he is literally in my top five on the rock, Mount Rushmore of awesome wrestlers of all fucking time. Um, It's just the fact is, his timing of retirement is a little bit, I don't know, suspect maybe. I I, I don't know. Like I said, we're going to get all into that because this whole entire hour is going to be dedicated to The Undertaker. So if you guys have any questions or if you guys want to jump on the podcast, um, the... The number is, um, I had it, um, hold on one second, oh, it is area code 347-989-1171, so, once again, if you want to come on the show, if you want to talk, because throughout the first hour and the second hour, we're going to have fan reactions, so it's very important if you guys want to come on here, if you want to talk, or if you even want to chat. Um, but if you want to come on here live, it's area code um, 347-989-1171 to come on here and talk with me and Nappy Boy, okay? All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm about to play one of my most favorite Undertaker theme musics. I'm not going to lie. With the original one, it's it's tight. I like that one. I like this one. But this one I'm getting ready to play, this is when I was in the Attitude Era. Like, we were transitioning from the Golden Age oh, Era I to the Attitude Era. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I think and I know what you're talking about. If anyone has seen Road <laughs> to Hell, on the Road to Hell, on the Highway to Hell, you will know which one I'm talking about. So I'm getting ready to play that right now. So enjoy. I'm gonna play for like a few, few, you know, a few seconds or whatever, so y'all can get the, you know, what I'm saying like I said, we gonna we celebrating the Undertaker uh, legacy this evening. So you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. All right, here you go. Good place. There.
that was just like a little mm. sample. I know that's like about a minute sample or whatever. But yeah, that was one of my greatest ones. Now the one I just played, that one was that fully loaded. So that was the site when Stone Cold and The Undertaker actually became tag team champions. Um, but let's get into, let's kind of talk a little bit about The Undertaker. The Undertaker debuted, um, I believe, in um, 1990 at Survivor Series. I think he was one of the last, I think he was a special, int- uh, he, yeah, he was a uh, surprise entrant. Uh, for the Survivor Series, um, I yep. think six man tag, for, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for the uh, I want to say it was the million dollar man. Uh, yeah, he was. team with Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and then Buddy Love came out and uh, w- w- was actually his first manager. Um, yep. And when I first seen the Undertaker, like I literally had a to back up and see, like, like when he came in, I, he literally destroyed everyone. Destroy everyone, yeah. and I was like really afraid of the Undertaker when I was growing up and shit. Um, but yeah, like his his whole presence was menacing. Like it's just it's like he was really invulnerable to any type of pain, and I like never seen anyone like him. And then about a year later, after his debut, he won the WWE Championship at Survivor Series against Hulk Hogan. Someone that never beat The Undertaker in his illustrious career. Um, 30th illustrious career. Um, let's see. I think The Undertaker started kind of changing. It's like not only his colors, but he just really started changing. He went from all black to gray to blue to to purple and then all black. Now, when he went to all black, like, I think when they were transitioning, like, from, like, 97, 98, that's when we really started noticing a change in The Undertaker's attitude, his figure, how he comes out, you know, it's like, I mean, the man was, like, fucking awesome, like, he gotta be, like, probably... One of the ones I actually seen, like, I seen Shawn Michaels, I seen Razor Ramon, I seen Diesel, but the Undertaker is the one that like really kind of stood out when it came to like gimmicks or whatever. And like nope. he's just, I'm just like, dude, how the fuck can you fly like that? You seven feet, like how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Especially I, when I first yeah. seen him fly, it was at um, Ground Zero against Shawn Michaels. He did mm-hmm. a Tabro Plancha, like, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, what did he just do? You know, um, but, yeah, like, um, I can really go on and on or whatever about The Undertaker. It's just, um, we're going to kind of break it down. We want to just make sure that we get this whole hour and, like, you know, basically, like, educate you guys and, like, kind of tell you, like, our views of The Undertaker, like, what's the greatest matches, what are his greatest views, who who really stood out and like bringing the best out of the Undertaker? And I think we already know the answer to that question. Um, but uh, Nappy, I mean, let's, let's kind of get your views on this. I mean, what what did you what did you um how did you view the Undertaker? Like, how did you how did you view him the first time you seen him? So before I ever watched any documentary of him, I always said, "Damn, that dude." There, there's never one. There's never gonna be a character 
in the business like him. There's never going to be, and I already had a feeling, and again, this was still before the Last Ride documentary. This was before um, really anything started, like, coming out where, like, kayfabe was being broke. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I always saw him as somebody, and he confirmed it in the Last Ride. I always saw him as somebody who took the business very, very serious, and what I mean by that was, he never broke character no matter mm. what. The, the minute he broke character was the minute that he opened up the door to his house, closed it behind him. That's when he broke character. Um, and I just think that is that right there is amazing. That That shows you that he was dedicated and he was super, super into his craft. And you don't get that right. a lot. Not only right. wrestling, you don't get that anywhere anymore i mean no matter what you do like people don't want to you know i'm saying there 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 was a time and day where if you were a janitor you were trying to be the best fucking janitor out there now it's like oh yeah i'm just a janitor heck you know i'm saying like like the undertaker took his character to a whole nother level um Mm -hmm. i was i was young when he debuted i wasn't even born when he he debuted in survivor series so, of course, mm-hmm. I don't really remember that. The only time I remember seeing The Undertaker was, again, my uncle. Shout out to him. Uh, was a huge wrestling fan. He was the one that put me on Shawn Michaels. He was the one that, like, every single pay-per-view that I can possibly kind of remember, I, I, I always went to his house. So it was the Bad Blood edition with the first Hell in a Cell. That was when I got put on on the Undertaker. My uncle was like, bro, you about to watch you're about to witness one of the greatest matches ever and I'm like, who was in it? He was like Shawn Michaels and I was already like I bet I'm there like Shawn's my dude. And then I was like, mm-hmm. whoa <laughs> like who is mm-hmm. that guy? And I just mm-hmm. followed him ever since and of course that was the same night his uh his brother debuted so then, you know, I was a Kane fan. So it it it, it was just Oh, you was a Kane fan. It, we're never going to see him. We're never going to mm. see a character like that again. And, you know, right. and uh, I, I mean, the dude had endless, endless matches. You brought up Undertaker being in your uh, Mount Rushmore. And I mean, yes. my Mount Rushmore, uh-huh. he's mm-hmm. smack dab right there next to the mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero, next to the Shawn Michaels, next to the Triple H. Like, it's just, like, he's that iconic and that legendary. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Undertaker, like I, like I said, like the Undertaker has really changed the landscape of wrestling alone, just with his presence. Like he 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 transformed wrestling and made it like believable. Like he took Absolutely. he took a gimmick and like I like made you believe that he's a dead man walking. And like he's <laughs> mysterious. Like bro, like who does that? Like, oh, <laughs> like I, I, I've oh. never seen a character like The Undertaker, like, ever. Like, he got no. power. He got speed. He got, like, like striking ability. He got a, a, a devastating moveset. Like, even though it's, like, somewhat limited, but, like, The Undertaker still, like, he can kill you in, like, three moves. And, like, it, yeah. it's, and he's agile, and he's tall. He's agile, yeah. and he's, str- I mean, like, it's just crazy. And, like, um... 
going back to you know that match with Shawn Michaels, like you know, I, we're going to be talking about Shawn Michaels and, and the Undertaker a lot. Now, throughout 1990 to 1998, these two never crossed paths at all until they nope. got to Ground Zero, and it's like yeah. kind of like the calm before the storm almost. Like it's like <laughs> we didn't know what the fuck to expect with these two. Like these no. two are like around that time, like you know, say like Shawn Michaels was just getting you know getting into his you know his prime. You know, he was kind of transitioning yep. from being a tag team specialist to being a, you know, uh, a singles competitor. Meanwhile, yep. The Undertaker came in to just start devastating. He started devastating motherfuckers <laughs> like for 10 years. From 1990 all the way to 1999, then he, you know, he, he got put on the shelf or whatever. And it's like, you know, like who the fuck will stop The Undertaker? Like who will over, who will out, like who will be The Undertaker's nemesis or whatever? Like I think the only person that really comes to that, I think the only person that like really gave him a run for his money, the first one, I will have to say Diesel because Diesel was the only person that really like yep. beat the shit out of the Undertaker at WrestleMania 12, like literally. So, um, yep. but then after that, it's like here we enter Mankind, and I think Mankind <laughs> was the only yeah, that that few shit that was the best. <laughs> Rival, like, dude, when you think of the best feuds in the WWE, yeah. I know many, many come to mind, like fucking CM Punk and, and, and John Cena. You think of Cactus Jack and Triple H. You think of The Rock and Stone Cold. But, bro, if you right. don't think of Mankind and Undertaker, you need to step back and reevaluate yourself because, bruh. <laughs> From the right. boiler room matches to the Hell in a Cell matches, to, it, 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 it just man. goes on. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like the Hell in a Cell match, I think I think the boiler room match was fun. I think it was fun. Mm-hmm. However, when they when they went to the Hell in a Cell, it really changed their careers forever. Like the Undertaker was That's like amazing. was like kind of like he was he was. He was he he basically was known as not only the phenom but he was known as the devil. Like he his whole yeah. that whole entire year from WrestleMania twi- WrestleMania fourteen all the way to the the summer. Um, no 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 wait wait a minute was it yeah it was WrestleMania thirteen it was WrestleMania fourteen then that summer like you know Hell in the Cell or not Hell in the Cell but um mm-hmm. King of the Ring. And then, you know, mm-hmm. SummerSlam, we, it's like we started seeing a change of The Undertaker. It was almost, they was like, what did JR say? Satanic, like a satanic type of attitude. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell that mm-hmm. The Undertaker was, like, really starting to change. You and then when we change. got yeah. into hell, then we got to hell in the cell at King of the Ring, I think that was one of the most violent matches I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, everybody yeah. at school was talking yeah. about this shit. Everybody was talking yeah. about the the king of the ring and shit. I'm just like, where can the fuck can I find it? I can't find it nowhere. I'll never forget. I, I was walking into homeroom and my boy was like, bruh, what went through your head when mankind <laughs> climbed the fucking cage mm. at the very start? It, like, dude, mm. as a kid watching that, I mm. literally remember, I swear to God, I remember telling myself, 
what's mm-hmm. about to go down? Like this right. dude is climb like like he's the first one out. He ain't getting in the ring. He cl- he grabs a chair, throws a chair on top of the cell, and climbs the fucking cage. I'm like, right, bruh. Shit was crazy. Dude, Jr. said it best. (laughs) I thought that motherfucker was dead too, son. There was two occasions where I thought that man died. I was like, he just died on, and like, no, no offense to anything. I, I I literally, I, I I was like, this man just died on live TV. I was like, there's no. And then when he started moving, I'm like, bro, this dude's not human. He's not human. No. And that was the best thing of Mick Foley. He brought the best out of everyone because of the amount of punishment and pain that this man Mm -hmm. was able to endure. Like, Mm -hmm. if you go back and watch the matches with him and The Rock, with him and Triple H, him and The Mm -hmm. Undertaker, like, they were able to do so much to this man, and it always ended with the Dude, are you all right? Are you, like, you sure you're okay? Like, when you see mm-hmm. interviews with Mick Foley, you always see the opponent. Hey, man, you all mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you all right, mm-hmm. dude, man. Good fight tonight, bro. Daps off, mm-hmm. and then they just go go their separate ways. Like, this, like that man was just, he wasn't human. <laughs> no, he really wasn't. Now, let's um let's go to a caller real quick. Um, area code 901. You are live on Hashtag Hills for Life. Say your hey, name. What's going on? What's going on, guys? It's Julian calling in. What you up, what who up? is this? It's Julian calling in. Oh, Julian! Hey, what's going on? Hold on, I gotta, I gotta, um, I gotta <laughs> put you on our caller ID. Okay, what's up, Julian? Okay, so you are hearing, um, you know, we're discussing the Undertaker's career, you know, so we're kind of, right. you know, taking some calls right now. So, um, so give us. Like, you know, a little short detail of what you think of The Undertaker. Like, you know, how did you how did you see him for the very first time? What were some of the greatest matches in your eyes? Um, yeah, go ahead. So the very first time I saw The Undertaker was, um, I would have to wrestle. It was around WrestleMania 9. Um, mm-hmm. That was like my first kind of experience kind of experience experience in the undertaker and mm-hmm. when I saw him for the first time I was like I was like wow this guy is like this guy is freaking scary <laughs> used to scare right. I mean used to scare the hell out of me um, as a kid mm-hmm. so um, as he as he got as we got down through the years and stuff, then I started noticing, okay, this guy is something about him that is just when he enters when he enters the arena, you can feel mm-hmm. those you can feel those chills go up and down your spine. Even when you're mm-hmm. watching even when you watch it on television. You can get that. You can get that feeling like, yeah, this is this is this is real. And so, um, for me, as far as the matches with the Undertaker goes, um, 
Yeah, I would have to say, like you guys were saying, like Mick Foley. Um, when Foley came in and attacked him like that that night on Raw, and we first saw Mankind attack mm-hmm. the Undertaker, I said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's that's his that's his match." And he needed mm-hmm. and he needed at that time he needed a person to uh, match up with him, and that. Mankind character at that time really fitted the fitted the bill for the Undertaker, and Mikey guys are saying to Shawn Michaels because we got to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That match at Ground Zero, yeah, we didn't know what to expect at Ground Zero, but that kind of paved the way. Um, it really did. For mm-hmm. that kind of paid away for the whole series of matches with them, um, and I'm gonna have yeah, to because like, another name. Not not to cut you off though, but yeah, no, I was I was um I, I totally agree with you. Um, kind of leading up to that, that Shawn Michaels was, was like literally three and O against right. the Undertaker, and then they fought each other mm-hmm. again at um, WrestleMania 25. So I mean they had like a a I mean because you know they fought each other in tag team matches or whatever of course but it's like more mm. so like the you know Shawn Michaels had an edge against the Undertaker and damn they almost beat him at WrestleMania 25 yeah. so yeah wanted to bring that up go ahead and so um, the other opponent I did want to kind of bring up to. Um, Kind of Bret Hart. That was his. That mm. was kind of his other kind of yeah. good opponent. Mm. They didn't. They didn't fight. I wouldn't say they didn't fight as much, but that's another person too that kind of really brought kind of a lot of good out of the Undertaker too as well. A lot of mm. a lot of legendary uh, matches. Of course, you got to throw Kane in there because yes. you mm-hmm. can't have that story um, that they told starting from the beginning when the uh, with the dead parents and then they went through the whole thing and you know your brother's alive, your brother's alive. That kind of storytelling, unfortunately. We don't get today in WWE. That's, That's why we got to go on the network. We got to look at old footage to kind of get that storybook kind of feeling. And it's like, yeah, we just like that's what's missing in WWE <laughs> yes. today. Yes, so, yes, yes. Um, that um, I'm gonna put you on hold for just a second. Um, Judy, we're gonna come back to you in a yeah. second. But yes, thank you so much for your comments. Um, definitely, definitely. Oh, wow. Um, the one thing that I could say about the Undertaker that the Undertaker really didn't change his gimmicks that much until he got to um, till he got to the 2000s to the American Badass. Um, let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, did you really care for the American Badass? At first, no. But then, 
it kind of <laughs> drew on me because it was like it was one of those things where again if if anybody could have changed the persona to the undertaker mm-hmm. it was mark and the way mm. that he did it it was it was incredible. Like, think about it. You get, mm-hmm. you got the American badass, and at that time, that was when I feel like, and I could be wrong. I feel like at that given time when he became the American badass, as a whole, America was united finally. Like we were all right. You know what I'm saying? Like we were all like, you know, give a fuck, like, you know, badasses, you know, the whole fucking Twin Tower shit happened. That shit united us more than anything. And when he came Mm -hmm. out with that character, it it really put that persona of, like, America is a badass motherfucking country. Like, we don't take no fucking shit. We bust in, we fucking, we whip asses and fucking take names. Like, that's what we do. Right. And I liked it. At first, like I said, at first I was like, man, what the fuck? Like, so what, you're alive now? Like, you're not dead? But you still kept. <laughs> I, loved, I loved how he still kept the Undertaker persona. Right, it was just right. a more, it was more, it, it was like a more like, uh, I don't he know if alive. anybody's familiar with, with, with Supernatural, but it was as if like the Undertaker's soul went into a vessel that was, the vessel of the American badass. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got the best like you're talking about worlds. like a little bit of Matt Hardy almost. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, like the fucking soul of the Undertaker was dying. You know, Mark mentioned that. It, 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 mm. He knew that, you know, it, it wasn't completely burnt out, but it was getting to where it's like, oh, okay, cool, Undertaker's here. And he right. started noticing that, and he needed to give it a little, you know, just a little seasoning. And mm-hmm. so it, it it was like he found a new fucking, he found a new vessel and, and mm-hmm. just whooped ass. And then the way mm-hmm. he transitioned back to The Undertaker, call me crazy, call me stupid, but I think that's what even made The Undertaker the second time as the phenom pop even more because he got buried alive as the fucking American badass and rose from the dead as the fucking phenom. Fucking genius. And again, if anyone could have pulled that off, it was Mark fucking Calloway. Mm. 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 Um. What about Big Evil? I loved it. That that was around the time where I started to like really like I started liking the new change towards the end of the American Badass transitioning into Big Evil because at that point he was showing me that like that was when and again this was around that time this was before like all of the fucking internet blogs was out and People were mm-hmm. talking about, you know, behind the scenes and shit. I, I I knew he was trying to put talent over. Like, the match he did as Big Evil in the ladder match against fucking Jeff Hardy, that was mm-hmm. one of my favorites. 
fucking matches because it was like, whoa, hold up. So not only is the Undertaker going against Jeff Hardy, who mm. when you think of Undertaker, and this is no shade or me throwing shots at Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is another one of my favorite wrestlers. But when you think mm-hmm. of the Undertaker, you don't think of Jeff Hardy in that category. You know, mm-hmm. and so for them to say, oh, tonight on Raw, not only are we going to have a title match, not only is it going to be against Jeff Hardy, but it's going to be in a ladder match. It's like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> Undertaker right. in ladder matches? Huh? So know. it was like he was still showing that he was trying to push his limit and show mm-hmm. that he can he can hang and he can do what the new generation at that time was doing. And it, mm-hmm. it just, it all clicked. It all worked. And I really, really dug Big Evil um, mm-hmm. and the Amer- American Badass. Yeah, especially that, that damn chair shot. That Oh, my God, that chair shot was so, <laughs> so nasty. Like, that whole match, that whole match was like, it really, um, yeah. it really showed that The Undertaker was immortal. Like, it didn't even matter. Like, he, he was, like, almost timeless in that match. I mean, he didn't, you know, do all the, you know, flips and turns like Jeff Hardy was doing and shit. But it just, like, really showed that The Undertaker, like, was willing to push his limits to hang with, yeah. the, you know, with the new generation, like you just said. And um, The Undertaker did that throughout his, you know, throughout his time in the WWE. Like, he, he didn't yeah. give a fuck. It was always you, and, like and you always wanted to try it. different things. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You still saw so that, that, up, to, up to his last few matches. And um, and, and and that's why I said like what people need to understand is even though that the Undertaker you know retired, we really Did need he to then? talk. That, that's what. what, <laughs> <laughs> I, what, what <laughs> you know I gotta. You we know I gotta know play that. Right. You know and, I gotta play and, that and part. And we we definitely gonna talk about that because you know we got twenty two minutes so you know let me kind of kind of speed it up a little bit or whatever because you know we really want to kind of tackle on that before we go into the second uh, part of uh, hashtag Hill's life. So, what do you think was one of his greatest storylines? Like a storyline that really stood out. I think mine was Highway to Hell. I'm sorry, that shit was. The promos, mm. the mind games, like all that shit. Mm. I'm sorry. That was one of the best storylines. And even SummerSlam, like the SummerSlam match was so good. It was really, really, really good. And um yeah. I, I I think one of his greatest rivals was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why, mm. but I think one of his greatest views was Stone Cold. I can agree with that. <clears throat> I I can agree with both. Pause, because it seemed like you you paused for a second. No, 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 no. Because I actually forgot. Like I mentioned the feuds he had, um, in the beginning of the segment. And I totally looked over him in Austin. I mean, completely. Like, so that's why I paused. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I forgot he feuded with Austin. That was fucking, like, yeah. Did you forget that? 
I got a, I got a lot of shit in my head, bro. Like, I be forgetting some shit sometimes. Like, certain shit sparks, sparks a memory. That sparked a yeah, memory. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, okay. Now, I I'm agree. I'm not going to be petty. Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> no, but no, the reason why I say that that was one of the greatest views, because if you really look at it, not a lot of people had a impressive winning record against the Undertaker. And like, no. even, you know what I'm saying? Like, Stone Cold was one of the people that actually had an, an impressive, like, you know, win record against yeah. the Undertaker. Like even in title matches, you know he 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 literally beat the Undertaker, and not a lot of people can say that. And that kind of goes that's kind of going into the title reigns. The title reigns was a little bit suspect. I'm not gonna bullshit you. Like you know, even though he's a six <laughs> six time, shut up. Even though he's a six time, <laughs> it should be more. I agree. If that's what you're about to say, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it should be more. But for some apparent reason, for someone that is legendary, someone that is electric, I'm not talking about The Rock. I mean, someone that is like literally, he is the he is the personification of the WWE. I would have thought he would have yeah. been a 16-time world champion. But for some Absolutely. reason, I, I I just don't see. I just I don't know. I think the WWE kind of dropped the ball on that one. Like I I, I just I don't know. Like. I, I don't know. Like, the, okay, okay, I think what they did was, I think they traded for the WrestleMania record versus his title reigns. I think that was his title, his his whole titles. His whole title basically was the streak. Yeah, I can see that. No, I mean, but if, if you wanted to, I look at it. I I look at it as yeah, absolutely. When you think of Taker. And for the people that don't know, only six runs? The fuck? Out of 30 years? That's kind of low. That's why I'm kind of questioning that. Hands down, we can all, there's no, there's not a single soul listening to this that's going to listen to it in the future, that's going to comment in the future, that might be commenting, somebody might be commenting now. Anybody that can hear my voice won't disagree when I say he is hands down going into the Hall of Fame. To me, that just shows that title runs and and title reigns don't mean shit. You can still be a fucking icon and have two title reigns, have six title reigns, have three title reigns. So I think he honestly, bro, I when that day is when he gets inducted, I think mm-hmm. he just lowered the bar a little bit for the future Hall of Famers to be like, look, man, go out there, give the best that you can give, give mm-hmm. your fucking 110% all mm-hmm. and everything will follow. However, mm-hmm. it's going to fall into place. If it's going to fall into 20 uh, title reigns, so fucking mm-hmm. be it. Is it going to fall into having uh, a fucking phenomenal record for WrestleMania? So be it. A phenomenal record for a different pay-per-view? So be it. Just go mm-hmm. out there, do what you got to do, listen to mm-hmm. the fucking boss, do what the mm-hmm. boss says, and everything is going to fall into place the way it's supposed to fall into place for your 
career. I think mm. he's I think he set another standard for the Hall of Fame. Again, call me crazy. I don't know. That's just my take on it. Um, but I feel that I one hundred percent agree. He he should have way more than six. <laughs> he really should. I mean, if the if, if the Rock can at least have like fucking what what's that about nine title reigns, if I'm not mistaken, I think so. then the Undertaker should at least have like nine. more than that. Huh? I said no. No, no, no. I, I said facts. I mean, fucking Cena's damn near uh, tied with uh, with Ric Flair. He is. Um, he is. I feel he, like he I, I feel like I feel like Taker should be the second one tied with Ric Flair. To be honest facts. with you. Yeah. Now let's talk and let about. Me do, oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No. What What I was gonna say was uh, uh, that last ride documentary. It just just listening to him, it, it just it put a lot into perspective. That's all I, I was gonna say. <laughs> um, what I was what I was just getting ready to say, I, I was gonna kind of go jump into the his the 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 legendary something that will never be duplicated ever again is the WrestleMania streak that lasted mm-hmm. for almost twenty yeah. years. And it it, it I came. I, why? Because it happened in your state. I'll, I'll tell you. Go ahead and continue. I'll tell you. No. Oh. Okay. Because I'm I'm gonna throw shade on you. It's the reason why they call Louisiana the Voodoo City. It's the reason why. Uh-huh. Be- yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. A lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. We recently, yeah. before the COVID. Um, I'm not sure if people follow up on the news. (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't, me personally, I really stay away from the news. I I don't really like watching the news. Um, but to anybody who has, you know, to anybody that watches the news, they'll probably know, um, that unfortunately we're still dealing with the whole fact that there's two bodies that haven't been found in, um, the, uh, Hard Rock Cafe uh, crumble um, about I want to say maybe a maybe close to a year now uh, about now nah, I want to say a year I say about like ten months ago they were mm-hmm. building a Hard Rock Cafe here in New Orleans and mm-hmm. they uh, unfortunately half asked it they didn't completely they didn't completely scope the building that they were building this shit on top of. And as they were getting higher, the foundation pretty much crumbled. Um, and there was two bodies that haven't been found. Um, mm-hmm. But there's videos that are surfaced that you can probably find if Google, if uh, you Google it, that you can actually see one of the one of the one of the bodies. God, God, God rest his soul. Um, a lot of people were saying that there was a voodoo priest here back in the late the late 30s or 40s. That they mm-hmm. called him, uh, I forgot what they called him, but his nickname was uh, Two. And so everything bad was happening in New Orleans around that Hard Rock Cafe, hard rock cafe time, and everything was happening in twos. Uh, so, yeah, that voodoo shit is very, very real here in New Orleans. Um, I, I, I'm, a, um, I'm a believer of. 
a lot of that shit. Like, I, you know, I firmly believe in demons and angels. Like, you know, if you believe in heaven, you got to believe in hell. And if you believe in that shit, then you got to believe in, you know, it's just, it's crazy. But I blame myself because uh, WrestleMania 30 was my first WrestleMania. It was mm-hmm. roughly, I want to say, my 10th show with WWE. Mm. Um, And it was my first time witnessing an Undertaker match because when I started going to the shows, you know, growing up, I was uh, I was one of those kids that uh, I was fortunate to have what I had, but I wasn't fortunate enough to do extra shit. And I'm not Mm. ashamed to say that Um, as I grew up, I, you know, worked hard and now, you know, I play hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I like to do what I like to do. And so around mm-hmm. that time, it, it it was my first time seeing Taker, so I was fucking pumped. I was like, "Yo, I'm about to, I'm about to see Taker, son. I'm about to witness the fucking lights going out, fucking mm-hmm. him just coming." Like I was fucking stoked. And I think mm-hmm. I told this story on one of uh one of the podcasts that we did on Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and it was I'm a huge Saints fan. I go to almost every single Saints game every fucking season. We, I'm in the Superdome, and we're one of the loudest uh, 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 domes in the NFL, period. Like, it's fucking mm-hmm. loud. Like, you can talk to, you know, you can look up interviews with Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, like all the great saying, bro, when you go in that bitch, you – you have to literally yell at your team members because the fucking fans are so loud. So when I went to WrestleMania, it, it was the same thing, son. It was wow. fucking just loud. Jam so, like, when, when the Undertaker I lost. I was just, so, yup. When, so when the Undertaker when the lost. Referee, mm-hmm. yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to no, say, what I was gonna... when the Undertaker lost, like, mm-hmm. you have never, ever heard the Superdome quiet like that. No. no. When I tell you, when I tell y'all, when the referee slammed his hand down for the third time, you cannot, it, I'm going to try to find, I'm going to try to find the clip to see if somebody recorded it. Because if you go back and watch WrestleMania 30 on the network, when Brock Lesnar gets the three count, the bell mm. immediately rings right after. Mm. Live, when it happened for the very first time, fresh, it took literally almost a minute for the bell to fucking sound and to give Lesnar the win. No one knew what the fuck happened. No oh like and then when I tell you when the when 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 the referee's hand slapped the mat for that third time, mm-hmm. you can hear a fucking mm-hmm. you could have heard a pin drop in that dome. It was so quiet, no one knew what the fuck happened. I mean, bruh, the most iconic fucking moment was uh the uh the black dude in the front seat with his mouth dropped like what the fuck yeah, happened. Like you see him on T V a lot now. Because yeah. That was everyone's reaction. It was like, wait, he kicked out because the bell didn't ring. He kicked out. And then you see Paul Heyman just like, holy shit. You see the referee confused as shit. Brock Lesnar's just like, 
like, like, bitch, what the fuck happened? Yeah, Texas I just concussed. Right. I just do that. Right. He laid the fuck <laughs> out. So, like, everybody right. was just like, what the fuck happened? Then I swear to God, 45 to maybe 50 seconds later, you hear the bell ring, bing, and then you see the infamous 21 and 1, and everybody was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, before um, we go on, we're going to go on to... Um, we're going to um, put Doc Yock in for about, you know, for the for the last eight minutes or whatever, then we're going to go to the next segment. Um, do you think Brock Lesnar was the wrong person to break the streak? I hate answering this question. This is like my fifth time, I think. Not not with you, just like within – yes because this no. is a, Because the reason why I asked you this is because this is debatable. Like the Undertaker could have lost to a whole bunch of folks, but he lost to his best yes. friend. That's why I don't understand. Yes, yes. And he didn't he need. Lost. He didn't need that he win. Wanted, he wanted Orton, according to Mark Calloway himself and Randy. He wanted Randy to win, and Vince was like, "Nah." The only person other than Mark Calloway. The only other person besides Mark that 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 treated the Undertaker character differently and and made sure that the Undertaker character was special besides mm-hmm. Mark was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Watching that documentary, you see a whole different side of Vince. It almost mm-hmm. makes you say like, "Why the fuck can't you be like that with all your employees?" That's neither here nor there. Um, right, but like, like you know, part of me wants to say call that off. <laughs> Vince was like, "Nah, you, you no, you're winning that match. Randy's not winning it. I'm probably saying this out of out of jealousy and out of spite. I feel like Sean could have mm. won against Taker. <laughs> um, I mean, but there were, like you said, there was many deserving opponents that he fought that that could have got that W. Hell. Honestly, I might get some heat for this. I feel like even though Roman won against Taker, he could have been the only person that won against Undertaker. No, I'm ready for the heat. <laughs> no, no, no. But, um, like, I, I, I don't. It. Um, I mean, because the Undertaker was already through by the time he got to Roman. Because even like Mark, not the Undertaker, but Mark said that he thinks that that was one of his worst matches. Um, in in WrestleMania history, yeah. but you know, I, I'm gonna go a little step further. I think he won against one of the worst wrestlers that have ever stood in a, in a wrestling ring. I know I'm gonna get some heat for that one, but I mean, it is what it is. Like the thing about it is, people are treated like charity case. Roman was treated like a charity case. He did not need that win, and guess what? No one really gave a fuck about it. When you win against The Undertaker, that is his story. That is a game changer, bro. Like, for real, that would have changed, instantaneously changed, like, um, Orton's career or, or CM Punk's career. CM Punk, if he would have won against The Undertaker, I bet you he would stay in the WWE. Because winning against yeah. The Undertaker, that, 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 that feel, is a, that is a feat that cannot be taken yeah. away from you. Like how Chris Jericho, the undisputed champion in the WWE, he is the first time mm. undisputed champion in the WWE. That cannot be mm-hmm. taken away from him. 
And then when you have somebody yep. like Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar has dominated since he was in the WWE. And for him to get that win over The Undertaker, I think that was just... Uh, yeah. mm. See, and, and so I want to I wanna kind of I kind of want to pick your brain, right? Because when you think of Brock Lesnar, when mm-hmm. he fought the Undertaker at WrestleMania 30, this is why this is why I always answer this question the way I answer it with a yes and with a no. I don't think mm-hmm. he deserved it because there was other wrestlers way more deserving. I still mm-hmm. it still doesn't sit well with me that this motherfucker has came out numerous of times and said, I'm not a fan of the business. I don't give a fuck. I don't have a favorite wrestler. I don't have a favorite right. wrestling match. I never watched wrestling before. I'm doing it for the money. That's his prerogative, though, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But that's why I say no. But I say yes. He should have won like he did because let's be completely honest, right? What was there left for Lesnar to do? Because we always know that when a wrestler comes back and makes a comeback, it's got to be special, whether you like the wrestler or not. You know what I'm saying? It's got to mean something for him to return. And I feel like at that given time, it was literally the only thing you can say, whoa. Oh, okay. Because if he, like, now, for instance, he's won X amount of fucking titles since he's been back. None of them Mm -hmm. means anything. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? A true mm-hmm. wrestling fan, not a Lesnar fan, because a Lesnar fan is going to be like, oh, hell yes. But to a true wrestling fan, those title reigns don't mean shit. The only okay. thing that everybody talks about, whether you're a Lesnar fan, whether you're a Lesnar, whether you're not a Lesnar fan, mm-hmm. we talk about him ending the streak. And I think that's the other part of yes. It makes mm-hmm. sense, and he should have won. Because everyone's going to keep talking about it. My grandkids, if I can get them to become true wrestling fans, they're probably going to fucking talk about that streak. You know what I'm saying? They're going to mm-hmm. watch back at fucking the WWE Network. and be like, Grandpa, really? Lesnar beat Taker that night? What the hell, bro? But yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's why I always answer that question yes and no, because it's like you know, no. <laughs> they should have gave it to Sean. They should have get really. They should have gave it honestly. They should have gave it to Randy Orton because at that time yeah. he was the legend killer. So why not give it to the yes? But exactly, I mean, that would make sense. <laughs> so everyone, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a a short commercial break, and then when we come back, then we uh we will um kind of pick. Uh, Doc Ock's brain because he's been waiting for for a second, and then we'll yeah. we'll dive into our last segment with uh, the yeah, shenanigans that's going on in the We'll be right. All back. I can say, all I can say, real quick, is y'all better strap up because this is gonna be a fucking ride on the second oh, segment. Oh, huh, huh. the next hour is gonna be just some tea. So you better get your. So, cross, so, la- so, ladies, cross your legs, okay, uh, and get your teeth. And niggas, mm. I mean, I'm fellas, not niggas, but fellas, get your Southern Comfort, get your Hennessy, because it, it's going to be mm. interesting for the next hour. But before that, yeah, boy. A, 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 a word from our sponsor slash producer. 
Mike, Mike, take it away. Yeah, yeah. Michael Carnahan here, letting you know that it has never been easier to keep up with your favorite Talk Radio 49 podcast. If you like the American Idiot Show, go on over to Facebook, like the American Idiots podcast on Facebook, where we actually now offer a video streaming service with our podcast, so you can see us live as we record the show. Also, you can go to YouTube, search out American Idiots Podcast on YouTube, and you can subscribe to the page, and the video podcast will be uploaded there weekly. Also, Clear and Convincing on Tuesday nights, you can go ahead and like the Clear and Convincing Podcast over on YouTube. Subscribe, and the episodes are updated there weekly as well. And for our new show fans, hashtag Heels for Life. Once again, that's Hashtag H-E-E-L-S, number four, L-Y-F-E, Wrestling Podcast. Shows will be uploaded there weekly as well on YouTube. And if you are a fan of everything we offer here at Talk Radio 49, and you have an iPhone, go on over, search out Talk Radio 490, and you can subscribe to all of our content there on iTunes Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast fixed. It's once again never been any easier to be a fan of Talk Radio 49 and keep up with all of your favorite shows. Each and every Thursday night, join Mr. Team Bring It and Nappy Boy as they bring you the Heels for Life podcast. A look at professional mainstream wrestling and all the headlines surrounding it for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your one-stop shop source for professional wrestling news and rumors. It's the Heels for Life podcast live every Thursday night right here on Talk Radio 49. I got a song filled with shit for the strong-willed. When the world gives you a raw deal, set you off till you scream, piss off, screw you when it talks to you like you don't belong. It tells you you're in the wrong field when something's in your mitochondrial because it lasts on to you like... Knock, knock, let the devil in, benevolent as I've ever been. Head is spinning, in this medicine, screaming, lick, 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 medicine. It lick, lick, like a solid ball, let your Allen Poe bedridden. Should have been dead a long time ago. Liquid Tylenol, gelatin, seek my skeletons, melting. Wicked, I get all high when I think I smell the scent of elephant. Manure, hell, I'm in Kahlua, screw it to hell with it. I went through hell with accelerants and blew up my, my, myself again. Volkswagen, tailspin, fuck it, matches my pal skin. Man, went from Hellman's and being railed in Blavis. Scribble damn Rev Olympic 77 freak, Nick, how can I be down mean? Bazaar in Florida, boost room, slept on the Florida, motel then. Dr. Dre said, hell yeah, and I got a stamp like a postcard with the mailman. And I know they're going to hate, but I don't care. I barely can wait. All right, welcome back. Oh, first of all, thank you, Mike, Mike, for that, um, for paying those bills. Thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah. All right, so we are back with Hashtag Kills for Life Wrestling Podcast. 
segment two, the shenanigans that's been going on in the wrestling community. But before we get into that, we want to get into, we want to, um, we want to talk to one of our callers, Mr. Doc Ark is on the line with Hashtag Heels for Life. How you doing, Doc? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh-uh, you all the way in the back. You, you, you're going to have to come, come, come to the stage. Got to come to the front row. Yes, come to the front row. Uh-uh, no, mm-mm. Come, come to the stage. Come on. We, we want to guide you to the guiding light. Come on. Can you hear me? Yeah! Mm. Hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. We, we, yeah, we're yeah. going to have to give him, we're going to have to give him some applause. Hold on, hold on. Yes. Audience. <laughs> Audience. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, Mr. God, welcome to Hashtag Kills for Life. So, we have we was on the first segment we were talking about the um you know, we was talking about the Undertaker. Um, I know that you wanted to come on the podcast and you wanted to give your take on the Undertaker's career. Uh we can give you the floor for about, you know, for a couple of minutes before we go into our next segment. So go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, I've been a fan for the Undertaker since almost the beginning of te- like the beginning of his debut. Um I'm like I'm in 33 when he came out. I was three years old, so mm-hmm. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Mm-hmm. So like when he did when he debuted, you know, in Survivor Series with Brother Love on the side, I saw all I I remember it vividly. He was one of mm-hmm. the first wrestlers I I remember seeing him in the WWE, and I just thought he was a unique character. He was a unique wrestler and then I just thought he was probably one of the coolest personalities or gimmicks I've seen ever. Mm-hmm. Um but of course, you know, the first wrestler I saw was the Ultimate Warrior, but Undertaker would be the second wrestler I remember seeing and I kind of became a fan ever since and uh, I've been following his career in the WWE till, you know, the day he retired. And then, mm-hmm. gratefully for the WWE, I started seeing some of his old stuff from, I think, from Houston, from USWA, from WCW when he was Mean Mark Callis. So, yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been paying attention to this guy for a long time, and I just, like, he's one of the guys I never thought he would be wrestling until I became an adult, you know? That's just mm. crazy to hear, you know? Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. Yes, it's very mind blowing. So, so tell us, like, um, what, what, what about the Undertaker kind of stood you out? What was, what do you think, what, what do you think was his best, con, uh, like, contribute to the wrestling business? Do you think it was the the streak, or do you think it was just him, his whole presence in the in the wrestling world? Um, I would most likely say it would be his presence. I mean, don't get me wrong. His streak at WrestleMania is probably one of the most memorable things in the world of professional wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. But um, just his whole legacy in the WWE, just him becoming, you know, this figure 
you know, throughout the years, helping other guys to put their name in the world of professional wrestling that help them to get where they're at because of him. Um, there's some who haven't achieved, uh, like, main event status, but they have achieved Hall of Fame status because mm-hmm. of this guy. Because mm-hmm. he would be the guy that, um, he would be the guy that they go like, well, okay, can I work with this guy? Can I work with The Undertaker? Oh, you know, The Undertaker's like one of those, one of those old school guys that I go like, okay, I got to try this guy or this is how you should portray your gimmick or he was kind of like the, um, he was kind of like one of the last uh, leaders in the ring from the 1980s hanging on towards the 90s. He still mm-hmm. tries to keep that old school mentality going and he was one of the very last guys just to break kayfabe. Mm. You know, just keeping it in character. You know, he was very private. You know, and then when he started to, you know, go out more in public, I mean, I don't really like it as much as people say because he's kind of breaking kayfabe. Mm. But, you know, he was one of the last guys to do it just to stay kayfabe, and he's a very private person. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't I wasn't really curious about Mark Callery out of the ring. I was more interested as in the Undertaker. You know, that's that's pretty much me. Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna come back to you in just one second. We're gonna just go to our second um um our second segment, and then we'll be we'll come back right back to you real quick. So everyone, so. All right, so this is the hashtag Heels for Life lightning round. Come on, let's do this. Come on, give me, give me, give me, give me that, give me, give me that, give me that, give me that. Come on, give me one more, give me one more, one more, one more, one more. That that's it. Y'all ain't gonna give me no more. I mean, y'all ain't really. I mean, damn right, damn right. Shit, god damn it. All right, now. I got some breaking news for you guys. So while we have been on the air, Tessa Blanchard not only mm. got stripped of the world championship, yeah. but the big guy fight. And why? It's because they said that she has been a bitch behind closed doors, didn't want to do mm. promos, did not want to, she basically wanted to be a lazy heifer and did not want to do shit. So, upper management said, bitch, we're getting ready to fire you. I'm sorry I said, bitch, in too many sentences in one paragraph, but this is how it is. Tessa Blanchard has always been a racist. Everyone do not like her. Everyone had receipts. And for some apparent reason, the whole wrestling world, before she became world champion that night, everybody was coming for her damn scout. And everybody did not want to believe that she was a nuisance, a problem in the bank. Now, all of a sudden, she gets not only stripped of the title, but she retired. That's saying a lot, everyone. Now, is she a racist? Probably. Her father was a racist, but, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different story for today. But, Nappy, what? 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 <laughs> I mean, all what, I could say is, uh, all I could say is, uh, she reminds me of Charlotte Flair. 
Wow. Wow. And what I mean mm. by that is if Charlotte wasn't working under Vince McMahon, mm. she probably would be doing the same shit and would be in the same boat. Mm. Mm. Yep. I, I just, you know, and, and, you know, when I first, see, when I first read this, because I literally was on Facebook when I read this, uh, when we were listening to Doc, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a good look for AEW. They, they need to, they need to amp up their women's division. But after really thinking about the situation and thinking about Tessa Blanchard, I'm like, yeah. No. I, mean, you, I mean, brother, y'all are, like, really ask yourself, do you really want that trash in your company? No. I mean, like, after, like, no. you know, people who already came for her scalp on Twitter, like, it wasn't just one. It was two, three, four, five right. different women right. that came for her. And then, you know what I'm saying, you got that film, that film nigga called Moose decided to try to save a hoe, and that didn't even work. You know what I'm saying? And now she gets fired. The first woman to be world champion in a men's division gets fired and then gets stripped. I mean, that's saying, I mean, like, that's like, she already is trash in my book. But just, just right. alone that this shit just broke out that, you know, she she's not shit in the back and she wants to be lazy and she want to use her privilege. And sometimes it just doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? So yep. my whole thing, my whole when, thing is, I just don't think yeah. the AEW should really go after her if they know what's going to them. No, and, and and Tony Khan is a smart, smart businessman. Yeah, I don't I think feel. Tony Khan's going to touch her with a ten-inch pole. Um, I, I just, I just don't see it. She needs to. One or two things needs to happen. She she herself needs to take a step back and evaluate herself, or she needs to land in a in a promotion. I'm not going to name any names because mm. I don't even think WWE would touch her. But she needs to land in a promotion that's going to put her in a place and groom her before mm-hmm. she can go to a AEW, a WWE, a NXT. Um, mm. Because I don't even think Triple H is going to reach out to her. Because, I mean, if she's doing all mm-hmm. all of this, it, 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 it's bad for business. And when you right. think of, and I, I don't care, I'm a car salesman. So no matter what you do, you know what I'm saying, you, you should always want to be successful. You should always want to be the best of the best. And so when you want to become a wrestler, there's a few names that should pop in your head and say, I want to be like them. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. some of them may no longer be here, but you can still try to be like them. You just can't pick their brain. You know what I'm saying? Like some people I know say, man, it, it, I'm in the business. I look up to Macho Man. Oh, wow. I look up to, so, uh, I look up to uh, you know, she should want to look up to people like Undertaker. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and, and I instance, feel you on I'm, that. Now, now, kind of breaking what you just said that, you know, Trips tried to go after. According to what uh, our producer just said, Mike Mike, he said that Trips already tried that, the May Young Classic. She had to fool over Ricochet oh, yeah. and she fucked on the WWE. Yeah. So I didn't even know that part. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Shout out to Mike well, I Mike. Think, Thank I you. think she put. Yeah, shout out to Mike Mike with that. Uh, well, with that being said, I think she put herself in the pickle with this, bro. Because I mean, because not a lot of people won't like really want her now. Nope. I mean, because like, I'm like not I said, even the goods is already tarnished. Like the, the goods is trash yep. now. Like she is really shit right now. She is the goods that smell yep. like shit. Smell like sardines. Yep. The only thing that she could do is go the China route and do porn. That's probably the only thing that she can do. <laughs> I don't know. She ain't got a to me. She ain't got a body for it. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, she could go and be. Ne- you know what? Never mind. Uh uh-uh. uh But anyway, um, we're going to kind of get into. Um, we're gonna. I, I really don't want to get into this. I, I really don't because this is like the second week we're talking about this shit. But everyone, yeah, this, this is the, the the next forty-four minutes is is going to be like. Mm, Okay, so for the last maybe two weeks and a half, me and Nappy Boy have been bringing to you sexual allegations, and I'm going to say it again, sexual allegations against certain wrestlers in the wrestling industry. And it's not just the WWE. It's going from Ring of Honor, WWE, NXT, AEW, it's, it seems like this speak this hashtag speak out movement. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's mixed in with a whole bunch of Karen. It's mixed in with a whole bunch of Jonathan. And it, it's like it, it's crazy. Um one that really kind of stood out for me was Sammy Guerrero. Oh. And that one I'm getting oh. ready to play. So this man before I mean this goes yeah this one goes all the way back to when he tried out for WWE NXT and this is what he, yeah this is what this this is what me and Nappy was talking about when we was playing GTA that <sighs> what you say on the internet can come back to haunt you when you least expect it especially when you have entities that's out there that want to see you fail. Please don't give them mm-hmm. no ammunition. Please don't don't do that. Because when you give them that type of ammo, that shit will fire you right back in your fucking face. So yep. said, and I quote, um, he wanted to rape Sasha Banks, and I have that clip right here. Here you go. Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch. Charlotte beat them both up. Bro, Sasha Banks, oh, oh my god. When I, when I was at the WWE the other week, I wanted to just go fucking rape that woman. You had a tryout? Uh, sort of. It was just as an extra thing whenever they came to Texas. So, after hearing that, um, Sasha, Sasha confronted uh, Sammy about this. They did talk. Um, he did apologize, and, you know, and uh, Sasha basically said, that you need to learn from this and you need to like learn to think before you speak. Sammy made a official uh, statement and he basically said he was sorry, but sorry was not going to cut it with AEW because with the, the, the one yeah. thing that I like about AEW is AEW don't play. So especially this is a new company that is still flourishing. Yeah. Um, still the new kid on the block, AEW swiftly 
suspended um, Sammy for, um, I think, 30 days, if I'm not mistaken. And there he's going to go through, I think, sensitive um, training, I believe. And they're going to evaluate um, his status with the company. So that is, hearing this is really bad news. Like, it, it, it's bad news for the company. And it's bad for Sammy because Sammy is really one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW. So, um, what do you what, what, what's your take on that, bro? I don't want to sound like I'm I'm defending him because I'm not. You know, that's cool. I, I want people to I want people to remember I am a father to a three year old daughter. That's one mm-hmm. of my biggest fears is having to deal with a situation like that to mm-hmm. to that. To that level, um, I, mm-hmm. I, I would probably no. There's no probably about it. I would go to jail because I would f uh, uh, mf her up. Um, but I I think everything was done properly. Mm-hmm. I don't think honestly when when I heard that clip, yeah, I did I did the face palm emoji immediately and freaking shook my head. I was like, damn, Sammy, damn. Um, mm. Because Sammy's one of my favorite talents right now in this new generation of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I immediately was like, yeah, he screwed up. AEW did the best thing that they could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they did it like like Chris said, swiftly. I, I, I think that that clip was leaked. And within hours, mm. We found out mm. he got suspended indefinitely. Uh, mm. But this is where I have to come in and say two things. When you're when you're around certain people, you know you say things that you know you 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 know like you see an attractive woman, and you know I, I heard people say me personally, I've never looked at an attractive woman and say, oh, no, I break the shit out of that woman. You know what I'm saying? But I can right. see where he was coming from. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um He wanted he he basically wanted to he wanted to beat the pussy up basically. That's what he was was yeah, implying, yeah. but he, he just didn't. He wanted yeah. to be the mayor of Poundtown on Sasha Banks. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there's nothing he wanted wrong to with dip he, he wanted to dip his strudel in her in her donut. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to dip his Oreo in her anyway. So I just, you know, this this goes back to what I told Chris last night when we were playing GTA. I was like, you, you have to really be careful what you say, and you have to be careful with what you say around certain people because you may now in this case it was an interview. But we heard, I mean, with AJ Styles, somebody recorded that on a phone and leaked mm. that. You don't know that if, if if you don't know fully the people that are in your circle, that's a problem when you're a famous person. Mm. You have to mm. know these things. You have to know who you're rolling with or who's in your entourage because, like I told Chris last night, everybody is out Dude, this generation of people, they don't yeah. they don't want to work. They don't want to work for their money. They want to get a That's quick true. come up. And what's That's the true. best quickest come up than to sue somebody over accusations, allegations, 
stuff that you can say that doesn't take much to prove that, oh, that those facts are wrong. Everybody's trying to get a quick dollar, and it's just, I don't care if you said something in 2020 and 2019 and 2009. Stuff's going to circle, and when shit circles, it could be bad. Um, I yes. think in Sammy's case, like, again, I think Sammy meant no no negative wrongdoing towards what he said. He was just caught up in the moment. He sounds like he is a huge fan of Sasha Banks outside of the ring. <laughs> um, right. You know, she's an attractive woman. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, I, I think that's where he got caught up. I honestly think he learned from it, I hope, you know, and hopefully – uh, when the 30 days is up, hopefully he took that class serious, which looking at Sammy, looking at his interviews outside of the ring, he seems like he would take certain stuff serious. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully we can see him back in the AEW ring um, after, after after 30 days. Totally agree. Um, uh, let's see. So it seems like the news gets worse and worse because we also heard some things about um um what's his name? Uh Marty Scroll. We heard some things about him being a pedophile. Um, I believe he got fired if I'm not mistaken, or he got suspended. But yeah. um yeah, uh, RRA Taxi, they put out an announcement. They said, here at Ringo Bonner, we pride ourselves on a respectful and inclusive uh, environment we have built, and and one that ensures all employees that can work in a place where they can find themselves safe and respected. We take these matters extremely seriously, and we have zero tolerance policy when it comes to this type of behavior. Ring of Honor has launched an immediate investigation into the claims against its current contract uh, wrestlers. We will update you um, on our investigation once it concludes. Um, that's not good. And everybody, everybody that's listening to our podcast right now, we want to bring you nothing but facts, not absolutes, not ones that just want to we want to just basically get some cool points, whatever, get some talking points. No, I'm dead ass when I say this shit. Like we me and and uh um Nappy Boy seen a list of uh wrestlers that has either been accused or been or did some uh harassment or has been racist. And this list is longer than at least about fifty names and Rick Flair is on that list. Yeah. Yep. Which is not, um, you, you know, when I see some of these names, I, I, it's not surprising. And I don't know if that no, sounds bad when I say that. But when I saw Ric Flair, I'm like, no, I mean, that's, that's no shocker. His best friend's Hogan. When I saw a Joey <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> you saw what I did that? You saw what I did that? <laughs> when I saw a Joey Ryan, Thank you. I'll be here. I'll be here till until eleven. Uh, when I when I saw Joey Ryan's name, that was another name that I was like, I'm not shocked. And let me explain because when you're a wrestler 
and you go around and let people touch your dick in the ring? Are you surprised? Are you are you honestly shocked that he was accused of shit like that? I'm not. Yeah, I mean he because like everybody this man, mama touch his dick and flips him with his dick. He, he has that, but 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 that but but like, but the but we we hold on because you know first of all let let let, let, me, let me put this on hold on a second because um hang on because like number one let me let me tell you something let me tell you something. Randy Orton should have been suspended, fired a long time ago because this man put his <laughs> penis in his damn hand like it was a hot dog and shit and wanted to serve it to you and say, here, I want you to put my dick in your mouth. Like, who uh, does that shit? my orange, Right. Like, you know what I'm Right. Do you want to feel my balls? You know, that type of shit. Like some South Park shit. And it's like, Vince, did you not? I mean, this is like borderline sexual assault. And the only thing you said was he, he, he was just playing and, and breaking his wrist. You know, like that type of shit. You know, but now we have a man that actually have his gimmick talk about touch my dick and let it get hard and, and you might um you might get a special treat. You know, that type of you shit. Might get you know? So, you know what I'm saying? Or you might get snutted on or some type of shit. You know, excuse my explicit language explicit language, but I'm just saying my my whole point is this. I do not know what the fuck Joey did, but from what I looked at on that um, long paragraph, that that man needs to leave the wrestling business. And this is the fucked up part, wrestling fans, mm-hmm. that not only he le- not only he got fired, but he had a wrestling school that he closed down. He also left Twitter as well, and he's not the only person. It, it, it gets better. Um, Kurt Angle mm. was accused of sexual uh, harassment. Now, I'm not too sure if this was recently, but I think this was back in like 2009. Not sure, but it goes to show you that this hashtag speak out. I don't want to like I I I want to kind of use my I want to use my words wisely because one day I might be famous. Me. Me and Nappy might be famous, and I don't want this to come back to us. But I'm just trying to be as real as I can. The hashtag speak out movement, it should be hashtag opportunist movement. That's what what it should be. Because my thing is this. You're fucking with people's lives, and you know that they're getting pushed in their their respective companies. And then you come out of nowhere with no facts whatsoever, and, and you're saying that Hashtag I'm speaking out. Keith Lee, as big as he is, that was the shocker of I, this hmm. this list for me, bro. Hands down, when I read what he went through, I was hmm. like, yo, like hmm. there's no limit on on anything. There's- it there could be anybody. Only. It could be you. It could be me. It could be, it, it, like, it, it's just, I, I was just dumbfounded. I was like, wow, dude. Like, like Yeah, like bro. Somebody... Like, the, the, the details. Man. <laughs> the details were very disturbing. He said that he very, was, yeah. he remembered, he remember he was in the bar. Was pretty much day raped, I think. If yeah, I'm not like, yeah. 
he said that he tried to make it to his car. He didn't even make it to his car. He said he the last thing he remembered that he woke up in the hotel room naked. So he must have been raped. Um, and that's all he remembered. And it's just, it's just everybody. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta picture this. It's, it's like a part of your life was stripped from you, and you can't get it back. And that shit got to be the most hurtful. And I'm glad that, you know, Keith Lee did, you know, speak yeah. out about that. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I'm glad that, you know, people like him, like, speaking out and saying that, hey, you're not the only one. But the problem is with this, this movement is that some people are not legit. That's the problem. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the part that kind okay. of pisses me off. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it pisses me off, too, because I was literally talking to Steven the other day about this, that people are, again, using this opportunity to get a quick come up. Mm-hmm. I don't – so this was brought out and then swept under the rug real quick. It was like here one day and then 10 minutes later was gone. But I caught wind of Mick Foley getting mm. accused of this shit, and – this is where true wrestling fans can actually give out a helping hand, you know. Right. Uh, so the 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 accuser came out, named McFoley, and mm. instantaneously got bashed by mm. a fan who knew everything about McFoley and said, "You know what's so funny." about your accusation, he goes, and let me not use the word, and I know exactly word from word what this guy said. He goes, let me not use the word funny because this stuff really does happen. But if you want to try to accuse somebody, try to do your research on the person you're accusing because the Mm. year, and I forgot the year, it was like literally two years before Foley got into the business. And he goes, Mm. so you're accusing somebody of doing something to you in the business that he was not part of at that time. And Mm -hmm. he kept going and going until the point that the female just deleted everything that she posted. Mm -hmm. So that right there mm. is a prime example of, yes, look, my heart, again, father of a three-year-old daughter, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest fears that I have as a father, is not being able to protect my daughter through mm-hmm. any harm, any anything. Um, mm-hmm. My heart goes out to the women that actually went through this shit. But when you mm-hmm. have people coming out acting like the women that went through this, mm-hmm. you're a certain mm-hmm. special kind of piece of shit. And mm-hmm. I really do hope you burn in hell because Let's just say that that fan wasn't a fan of Mick Foley. Let's just say no. that that fan never came out and mm-hmm. said what he said. Mick mm-hmm. Foley would have been fucked. Yeah. Everybody in fucked. this generation is so quick. And again, and I got to yeah. I'm far from sexist. Yeah. I'm far from sexist. I'm, I'm super fair. But let's all be real for two seconds. People will... Mm-hmm. Take a case that's involving a woman going through something harsh and mm-hmm. will go to the extreme 
but will take the same case with the tables turned and it's against a male mm-hmm. and just say, oh, well, I mean, you should have liked it, right? Or, oh, right. really, you got raped by a woman? That's really a bad thing, bro? Nah, right. man. Right. And that, like, that's we the fucked up do... part, bro. That's fucked yeah. up. Really fucked up. Yeah. Um, let me see. We, oh my God, this is, okay, we're going to kind of veer away from this because, like, we got, we got other news to cover. Plus, we're going to get to Doc Guy for the uh, for the last um, word or whatever with fans. So, going to the WWE coronavirus, um, it's getting bad, everyone. Um, I had put out a live video on Facebook, and I basically said, uh, hashtag cancel the WWE. And I'm not saying because I'm not a big fan of the WWE, but these days I'm not a big fan of the WWE because they've been making some dumbass decisions. And the fucked up part about it is that Vince McMahon want to follow the same um, guidelines as Donald Trump and pretend that the virus is not going on. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have folks that is coming down with the coronavirus and they don't even know what the fuck is going on. They are not being tested whatsoever. The people that perform in the performance center, which is majority of the wrestling, you know, talent wrestled in the performance center is being infected daily on a daily basis. As a matter of fact, one of the mm-hmm. announcers, um, I think her name was um Kaylin Braxton, I believe. She came down with Caleb it Braxton, and I think yeah. she went yeah, Kayla Braxton. She um I think she was I think the virus came back in her sister. I think she had to she had it before, uh-huh. and it's coming back now. The latest is um, Renee Young. She caught it. That's bad news, and I'm going to tell you why. She's, mm-hmm. um, she's married to John Moxley. And guess what? Yep. He's defending his title next week. Yep. And more than likely, he's, not going to, he's probably not going to defend that shit. Because why? Because it's quarantine for 14 days. That's two weeks. Firefest is next week. That's not good news. And he I'm was tested. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm going to say, say this. He was tested negative. I'm going to say that. But the problem is with the coronavirus, and this is where everybody needs to do their research. Everybody wants to say to me, to. or try to say to me, that people are putting blame on Renee Young. For this shit. I'm not saying that. I'm going back to the source. The source is Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon knew his role and would have at least shut down his company and prevented this shit from spreading, we wouldn't have been in this in this predicament in the first place. Everybody said no one really gave a fuck about WrestleMania because we knew what the situation was. So if we didn't watch yep. WrestleMania this year, it wouldn't have hurt me because I didn't give a fuck. I'm at the point right now where I don't even want to watch the WWE product anyway because the shit is selling this trash. They tried new things at the wrongest time. That's the problem with the WWE. But now we are facing a situation where we don't know who in the fuck is infected. But the problem is with John Moxley is that more than likely he's not going to defend his title at, at, at uh, Fighter Fest. Now, he was able to warn AEW what was the situation with him and his wife. And now he's quarantined at a hotel for 14 days and can't go anywhere. 
And he feels, he even says inside his own mouth that he feels that he does have the virus. And that's, 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 that's hard for that, that, oh, oh, it, it just, just even saying that yeah. everybody, it's like this virus is devastating. It's not only devastating to our way of life, but it's devastating to everything that it touches. And it's just not the wrestling community. It's sports. It's, it's our way of life. The way we do things on a daily basis, that includes fucking. We can't really do that. Can't do that. The way we go out in public, we can't really, you know, we can't be free because of this virus that's going around. And Vince, he has to make a decision. It's either you're going to shut down operations in the WWE or more cases is going to keep going and you're going to have, your, 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 your talent is going to drop like flies. That is where you're at right now. And they said not just three, but we're talking about a dozen of folks that were infected. And they're not saying any names because the WWE doesn't want to catch a case. Um, but yeah, this is this is not good news. No. Um, did you want to go ahead, um, Nappy? So we've for months for weeks, countless weeks, have been saying how crazy WWE has been for just allowing this shit that they allowed mm-hmm. through this pandemic. Um, and I have to just, I, I have to call it I gotta, I gotta let the cat out of the bag because it, it's AEW has done it the smartest and the most safest way mm-hmm. since the pandemic, and there mm-hmm. has been no cases for the AEW, none. So what's the problem? So like, why is the WWE? Here we go. Here we go with WWE and. They, I hope and I think Tony Khan is smart enough because I had to talk to my lawyer when this pandemic first popped off and my work was dubbed essential when they really weren't dubbed essential. Um, That's a long story for another day and another time. Um, So I had to ask my lawyer questions on if, God forbid, I catch this shit. Can I take legal actions to the business that I was working for at that time? And he said, you'd have to go to a lot of measures, but yes, there's ways. You would have to have X, Y, and Z. And I told him, well, I have X, Y, and Z. He goes, well, if you do catch it, which I don't wish you do, come see me, and we can work some shit out. I'm saying this because Tony Khan needs to find a way. This is where WWE has fucked up, and this might be the final nail in the coffin because not only were you unsafe with your talent and employees, but because you have an employee that is Mm -hmm. married and living with an employee of another promotion, Mm. that promotion is now 
funk because mm. of your stupid shit. Mm. That's oh, that's tea. Because of you, I have to mm. cancel one of the biggest fucking matches on my pay per view card because of mm. you. <laughs> I have to lose money on my show because Ooh. of you. son. I'm not a fucking lawyer, but in me, that's a fucking lawsuit. To me, that's a lawsuit. You cost me money. You cost me. You cost me my employees' health. Mm. Let's face it, Tony Khan. He likes his employees. Mm. He takes care of his employees. Yeah, in the show. Some would say that he looks at his employees as family. They're fucking barbecuing together on a holiday, like. You know, you don't see that shit with Vince McMahon. You know, you don't see you know Vince McMahon throwing a barbecue and having no because he looks at them as dollar signs. Yeah, he looks at them as dollar signs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, everyone. He he talk about their their expendable. So that's yeah. So that's why I said like the shit that WWE is doing right now. It's like it's no surprise. You decided to hold. A wrestling event in a state that has the most cases currently right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, bro, like, how does that and they're work? Still spiking. And they're, they're still, still spiking. spiking. <laughs> God. And the best I, part about mm. this, the best part about this, these motherfuckers are still taping every Friday and Saturday for Monday and Friday. So, I just um, I just don't get it. I won't get it. There's literally no excuse. I don't want to hear it's business as usual. They got to look out for the business. No. Fuck that. That's what's wrong with America. We went away from actually caring for one another to, hey, you know what? What can I do to get money into my pocket? Fuck your pockets. Fuck your pockets. Fuck your health. Fuck your health. I'm cared about, I'm worrying about my health and my pockets. Because guess what? Where's Vince McMahon at through all of this shit? Oh, he made one measly little appearance on Money in the Bank. That's it. He's locked the fuck up in his mansion in Connecticut, quarantined, safe, counting his money. Let's let's just let's just be real. So, for you to say business as usual, how about you bring your stupid fucking weeble wobble ass down there to fucking Florida and be in the middle of the shit with your people that you claim that you care for. Mm. That's what I gotta say about that. Because that's a that's a person to so, so everyone, thank you, thank you, audience. All right, so, yeah. so we are 13 minutes um, toward the end of our show. So we're going to bring in Doc Ott for the last word. We're going to see what he um, is thinking about uh, what we've been saying. Uh, Doc Ott, all right. So yeah. you have the last word. So what did you? 
So what do you think so far um, about what we've been talking about? What's your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, let's just say 2020 is probably the most suckiest year ever. That's all, you know, that's just, it's even bad in the world of professional wrestling, you know, with all these accusations. And, of course, uh, the people that's got hit with the coronavirus, it's very... It just sucks. It really does. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the people who got caught with the corona, who tested positive with coronavirus. It sucks about that. I hope that Renee Young will jump back, uh, get better when she gets through that. Um, Mm -hmm. Braxton, I hope that she'll bounce back, including my home, our hometown hero in Waukegan. Adam Pierce, who is who tested positive for the coronavirus as well, and I hope those those are the only ones I know that got tested positive. Uh, I just hope these guys will get better. Uh, just stay quarantined, all all that. Um, that was kind of a stupid thing that the WWE did not did like any of these special tests for the coronavirus. It was more stupid that you have to invite fans. And not make them wear masks. Thanks a lot, Kevin Dunn, you stupid idiot. Funky beaver dumbass. Mm. <laughs> Just, yeah, Kevin Dunn. Yeah, I swear to God, I don't know why the hell he's there. Yeah, I know your dad worked for the WWE for a long time. But God damn it, dude, you got, you're got you not going to win an Emmy for just doing WWE shit. Hmm. <laughs> he's the one that started it. That bastard started it all with his buck tooth coming out saying, you can't, you can't wear a mask. If you wear a mask, you're not a wrestling fan. And that's why Fuck I don't you. understand. That shit I don't get. Crazy. You sell, you sell fake fans. You say that you're not a wrestling fan. Like, okay, so are you a fucking producer? Are you our executive? Like for, oh, okay, like, dude, this shit doesn't make sense. How the fuck you gonna say yeah. I'm not a wrestling fan for make for having a mask on and yet you're selling face masks? Yeah, I, I don't know. Sense, it's, kind of, it, it's just kind of stupid just hearing shit like that. It's just I just don't want to get into it that much. It's just kind of stupid. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the you know all these allegations. Yeah, not a not a big surprise on Joey Ryan because if you look at his gimmick and then you hear these stuff and like right, yeah, right, yeah, he, right, he's you know, a boy. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the only one thinking that. Yeah. <sighs> but um, here's the funny thing, though, about these. I mean, I do feel bad for the people who did, you know, go through these uh, these bad experiences who've been sexually assaulted. Some of it might be bullshit, but I know some of it got to be true. It's just that I feel bad for some of these people who've been who went through yeah. it. That really did go through it, and then I heard a, I heard something from Lance Storm that caught my attention. He says, I, "He says all these people who are saying these allegations have to be rats." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> He's talking about wrestling rats. They're kind of like groupies, but that's what they're mm. called, wrestling rats. They, mm. Lance Storm says that people who are accusing them, I'm like, you have to be a wrestling rat if you're going to talk some negativity about this wrestler. 
you know. So, like, um, I was going to think that Finn Balor was going to get in trouble because Finn Balor had this one obsessed <laughs> fan, and she got banned from WWE events, uh, events because she had a, uh, a sign that says, Finn, fuck face me. She actually had a mm. sign that said that. So Lance Storm said, uh, you know, he says, Some of you, most of you have got to be rats. But it's cr- really crazy how it is. Um, and, of course, they had everything about, like, Gentleman Jack, Joy Ryan, Morty Squirrel. And, of course, they talk about Jim Cornette and Stacey Cornette. And the good thing about Jim Cornette, he has a podcast. He has two podcasts. And he spoke the truth. Mm. But two people accused him and his wife, where his wife, uh, yeah. yeah, where his wife supposedly would groom, quote unquote, groom these other guys for sexual uh, favors. Sorry, and Jim Cornette spoke the truth. He says we don't, we don't do that in the world of professional wrestling. He says we might have our own fun, and then he says, oh, you got pictures of my ass. My wife asked, I take pictures of them, you know, or he says that there's stuff that's been photoshopped and he's talking about these trainers, all these other uh, allegations. Then he said something that caught my attention about people are hypocrites. Wrestling fans are hypocrites because you're against cyberbullying and you talk about, um, what was her name? That just that Japanese a wrestler that passed away too long ago. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, I know yeah. You're about. yeah. Yeah. She. You guys are all against it, and you say do not do that. But you come here and cyberbullying my wife. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. You just started tearing up these these people who are, you know just bashing her and him. And it's just like, he says, you weren't there when my wife cried for three hours with all this abuse that you have given her. You know, Mm. you guys, you know, he says, you're all nothing but some goddamn hypocrites. Fuck all of you. You know, he's, and that's what I like about Cornette. Cornette will speak the truth. He will not sugarcoat anything. There's some yeah. things I like. There's some things that he hates. But, you know, all in all, Cornette's going to speak the truth. The funny thing about it, after that podcast episode, he did another podcast episode just to make up after these allegations. He took advantage of it. You know, he go like, uh, but, you know, the hot, you know, how these hot tub parties me and Stacy have, they're kind of, ongoing and, you know, help to groom people. And um, he took advantage and made it as a joke, you know. Mm -hmm. It goes to show you how much of a good sense of humor that Cornette is. And um, Jim Cornette has a Facebook group called Cult of Cornette, who are fans of Jim Cornette. I am actually a member. And Stacy is the one that actually would post stuff, his wife. And she, was, she said thank you to all the people, Go down the- all the fans who supported um, him and her about these mm-hmm. alleg- you know about these innocent or guilty allegations, however you want to see it. 
But all in all, it's just that Cornette spoke his word. But he spoke the truth, you know. And, but to this day, there's still fans that are just still giving him shit. And I'm like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. He's at this yeah. piece. Now just leave him alone, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just uh, I know we're in a bit of a crisis in wrestling with the pandemic and these allegations. It's just, um, it's probably going to be a long time since everything is going to simmer down. Because yeah, I, um, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's uh, no, just, it's gonna, it's gonna I'm, be a, it's gonna be a while, and um, it just, uh, I want wrestling to be back the way it was, and it's just like, it's. Here's the one thing that's really helping that I'm really holding on for professional wrestling, and that is the return of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That is the only thing that's helping me right now. You know, they return, they're doing the uh, New Japan Cup, and I've been watching it, and they're doing extreme measures, you know, because of the COVID-19. So everybody, you know, mostly the the behind-the-scenes people, including their commentators, Social distancing, social social distancing themselves, and wearing a mask. Some wrestlers are wearing masks, some are not. But they're taking procedures very strictly, and that is like the only thing that's like keeping me in professional wrestling going right now is New Japan. So that's pretty much what I have to say. Okay. Well, thanks, Doc. I appreciate your um, your time uh, and your patience for for hanging with us. I appreciate it. We we both appreciate it. So um, thank you for your comments. Um, so what we're gonna do is we got about three minutes left. We're just gonna kind of wrap up and you know give us our give you guys our final thoughts. Um, I I really. At this point, everyone, I really I didn't even watch wrestling this week. I even watch wrestling. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm. It's like I'm getting to the point now. I'm getting so depressed about everything. Like it's just the the one thing that I love to watch is wrestling. You know, I grew up on wrestling. I study the business. I'm trying to get into the business. Um, I mean, I got like figures that like you know can get me into the wrestling business. That's not the issue. It's just the issue is the more and more I study it, the more I like I tap into it. It's like the more bullshit that I find. And one of the ones that I just do not care for is racism. And I try to say, like, well, you know, I'm going to just look past it. But this is something that you really can't look past. And you just, like, say, like, okay, so how can I combat it? How can I, like, rise above it? The thing about it is it it, it don't just take one person. It takes a village to, to, to accomplish a goal that has been haunting the wrestling business, been haunting the whole entire like human race for generations. And it seems like it's like not going away, just like the coronavirus. The coronavirus and the racism shit is the same thing. They're both diseases. They're both diseases that just refuses to go away. And, you know, I just sat back. Now we got to deal with 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 undercover, you know, pedophiles and and, and sex offenders and shit. And it's just, it bothers me. It bothers my very core. Because, you know, it's like, we got 90 seconds to go, or 90 seconds to go. And like, like I said, it's just, <sighs> Doc, I really want us to go back to the way it was. I don't think, I, I don't think that's possible. 
It's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time uh, because this coronavirus is so deadly to where it's making me want to, like, dude, I've I've had to change everything I do in my daily life to the point where I'm keeping shoes outside. If I go to work, I'm taking my clothes immediately straight to the washing machine. I'm taking – I come home, I can't even hug my daughter right away. I got to go home. I got to strip, take a shower, drop my clothes in the washer, then hug my daughter. It's just, right. it, it, it's it's a crazy world we live in. Um, exactly. I just, I pray every single night for everybody. People that yes. I don't even know, dude. I want this shit to just end. I want, I want everything to, it's never going to be normal, but I want it to get semi-normal. <laughs> Exactly. So everyone, so everyone, we got to end it. We got, we got ten seconds. So, um, follow uh, Talk Radio Forty Nine on Facebook and on Blog Talk Radio. Um, we yep. will be back on Facebook Live tomorrow for a recap show. We'll see you guys next week Thursday, same time, same channel. Um, I'm your host, Mr. Yes, Team yes. Bring It. I'm your co-host, Mr. Nappy Boy. And we'll see you guys later. Peace. Yep. I got a song filled with shit for the strong-willed. When the world gives you a raw deal, set you off till you scream, piss off, screw you when it talks to you like you don't belong. It tells you you're in the wrong.